sound means uh we're about to have another conversation in well in the building <laughs> within which the dissect podcast studio is housed however we're out in the larger space today because there's uh we're doing sort of a live event and i'm just going to go with 30 people here um some more critical than others joe holmes doesn't even look up he's not even <laughs> fucking listening anyway <laughs> A lot of uh, familiar faces and some people from the past, and it's um, actually kind of cool to be doing this. Um, but the panel today, or the the, the voices, are going to be myself and Michael and Keegan, and then we have a microphone to um, where people who are in attendance can potentially <laughs> ask some questions and totally derail the conversation. So uh, I think you have an opportunity to be me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say if, it. If anybody, so Michael is the reigning king of the tangent. If anybody wants to try and take that crown, tonight is not the night to do so, please. <laughs> my, my money's right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we've, we have spent um, a little bit of time discussing some topics. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Michael took some notes. I didn't, I was just too wrapped up in the moment to do so. Um, I just know that we're not going to, what we're not going to talk about. So, Michael, what is, how are we going to launch this thing? Um, so, I heard an overwhelming thing revolving around environment. So, I would take it from that. And we, we talk often about the importance of environment. We obviously control the environment. We have locks on our doors. Um, we invite certain people here. We disinvite certain people after they've been here. Based on the idea that we're just, um, we're a product of, our situation and our environment and the people that are allowed in that. And although we are going to cover quite a bit of this in the, in the two days that are after this, I think ultimately environment for me should be probably talked about. Okay. Does that agree? If everybody, you guys can yell at us if that's not what you picked up from the, I just heard from between the three or four people that were mentioning, you know, different things. I found that to be the one thread we can go. I mean, the interesting thing um, in terms of environment that came up first is the idea that, okay, I'm in a, in this specific location, the majority of the people, would you say like three years in a row was the fattest, fattest city in America. That's got to put a little dent in your psyche. Like if you're, trying not to because is that fat because we're social and we try to fit in (laughs) and and it'd be a tough thing i was like man it'd be so much easier to fit in than to fight this in any case but 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 maybe one of the reasons that this exists is because it's or or that environment you know allows that to, to sort of happen is that uh there sort of are no mountains there the beaches too far away. distance there's a there's yeah so people are like into eating and drinking and watching other people do activities and being highly critical of that while <laughs> they're just <laughs> i mean unless they're winning and then it's you know they're behind it but it just seems like i, I mean for me certainly i always went to environments that you know where i could do the activities that i was interested in but some people are definitely sort of trapped in a place 
by choice, by circumstance, habit, habit potentially. Hmm. Um, but is it necessarily, like I would say that, yeah, I'm, I'm here, so there's opportunities to do things in the mountains and the surrounding. There's a, there's, a, there's a culture of activity in some segment of the population, maybe more so here than in other places. And, um, but I don't necessarily think it's just that opportunity because if it is important, I believe you can figure it out in a way to sort of carve out your personal environment, like I was talking about the little bubble that I've live in um but it, it does seem like that you can carve out you know your personal environment within something that is having a negative effect on you and sort of pushing out against it yeah i, I mean, totally agree and i'm i'm lucky enough to where uh me and my girlfriend alex wherever she is right there um we've been in pretty shitty situations in different states different cities that we didn't quite meld or mix with like the population. And we've been lucky enough to kind of move and bounce around. And now here I am with these guys. So I totally understand the value of the environment where I don't necessarily always train. I don't ever train with Mark. Um, and sometimes me and Michael That's train. That's just due to the age difference though. Really. I thought it was size. Yeah. No, they train together. I mean, you guys both rode a bike today. His just happened to not go anywhere. And yours And went Joe somewhere. says yours didn't really go anywhere either. <laughs> <laughs> Joe? Called? <laughs> you're number one. You are still number one. For the third time today, you're number one. Um, but my point being that, like, we kind of found our way into an environment that, you know, suited what we wanted to do. And uh, to Israel's point, who was talking about, where are you from again? McAllen, McAllen Texas. Um, you know, hot, humid, not much going on. Um, you mentioned a lot of problems with it, but I didn't hear any, like, it has this that I could do or what's what are the good things about where I live. And then my next question would be, like, and I know we're not really doing questions, but why do you still live there? And I know you're going to school, but like, how do you find the good in that shitty situation to keep you motivated to do what you want to do? It's a bubble. That's what it is. It's a bubble, and uh, family lives there, friends live there. You've been there all your, your entire life. You have generations living there. And it's kind of hard to get out and, and move away unless you have purpose to go somewhere else. Some people don't. And, so it essentially requires a purpose to move, which could be, I mean, but also that, that purpose can be an anchor of some sort. Yeah. And, and there's, there's reason to stay, you know, cost of living is very low where I live. Uh, you have high income, you know, we have high, uh, some of the highest paying uh, salaries for nurses, I'm a nurse, and that's another benefit of staying there. So you stay in the environment, there's pros, but there's a lot of negatives. So there, there's an like an uh, almost a biological sense. It, it, we're talking about economically what a, an environment feels like. Like there's an ease to a low cost of living. Salt Lake isn't that expensive, and there's this, you know, opportunity cost for that. Generally speaking, um, that that's the same as like a kind of a petri dish. It's warm and it's kind of wet, and bacteria can flutter around in this petri dish, and that that's a comfort thing. And I look at like some of the best environments do the exact opposite of that. They make it just hard enough to survive. They make it, you know, they, they really push those boundaries. And the human nature involved in all of this is really, um, if the environment is comfortable, well, then why would I go somewhere else? And so when we get this uh, sense that it's just easy enough, I can, uh, I, I, I'm right close to my gym that kind of sucks, but they have the things that are okay. Um, and I have this filter through the world that I look at other things that make me feel, you know, 
either indifferent or kind of even shitty about the rest of the world. I look at, you know, I flip through any kind of social media and I can compare that and I can also write it off because if I look at moving to a place that has more opportunity, ah, they just like, they don't pay as much or uh, the cost of living is so much worse. And so all of these things tally up and we kind of just make little tiny mathematical, you know, uh, approximations and just go, oh, it's not worth it. But in the most like in most of my experiences in finding the most beneficial environments, I've had to jump and be really uncomfortable for long periods of time to understand even what that environment was like. And uh, um, I was telling uh, Keith before we started this thing, kind of about Keegan's experience, um, because Keegan reached out, and I think we've told this story before, but Keegan reached out for some coaching. Uh, he was in a weird spot where he didn't know what he wanted to do, and I'm weird enough that, that he thought he could ask questions. <laughs> Sounded about right. And so uh, after listening to where I, I noticed I, that you didn't contact me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I mean, well, apparently I, I looked at the guy because I, I've known him before. Uh, we, you know, uh, first met each other on a podcast a couple of years ago. I didn't know who he was. I just, you know, remember the name from that podcast and he had followed me ever since. And he was just interested in doing something different. Was He was just looking for change, and he was kind of at an end point where you look around, and you're like, ah, there's nothing here, therefore I'll kind of search something out. And he asked you know, the generic question about coaching, like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I just want to be healthy, I'm kind of messed up. And I just looked at kind of his profile, and I was like, what the f- I have nothing to do with like anything that this guy is good at. Like, I, d- I didn't understand like what it was about. Like, the guy can bench press a house, you know, he's obviously strong, He's got all the qualifications that I go like, I'm obviously not a strength coach. So I didn't understand on that premise until I was like, well, let's just have a conversation. And then after talking about what his situation was, the environment that he was in, like the toxic work environment, the people that like are not very inspiring, not inspiring in the like cheerleader way, but inspiring in the way that like makes you question your own activity. Um, He just didn't have access to any of that stuff. So I kind of said, no, I won't coach you because I don't think you need a coach. I think you need a purpose to train, right? And you need an environment that supports that purpose. And that's really the fundamentals for this. For me, you're like finding an environment that supports a purpose. So he, I invited him out for Joe Holmes' endurance <laughs> seminar. I was like, what better fit? <laughs> but I knew, like, I knew that wasn't the important thing. I knew if he got into an environment that he saw that we are fairly harsh here and we're fairly, I mean, not harsh as in like, man, you look like Jesus today. You need to really like lop your hair off. And they yeah. actually tell me that every he day. He really does look like Jesus. He's like a 260 pounds felt Jesus. Um, besides that, like besides the criticism. That reinforce the cross is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, Josh is out there building it in the shop right now yeah. up here. He's that's making it out the, of metal. That's where the yeah. Roman cross came from, where they bridged those gaps on the <laughs> perpendicular <laughs> section. It was a jacked Jesus. I should have left my hair up. So, so Which based, is actually a domain. I don't. Jack Jesus. No, Jesus so, was jacked. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's nothing there yet because it's just too blasphemous to even. <laughs> so, I, so just, I just I just took it I just bought it so that no one else would save just it make for sure a rainy day. Gotta, you know. so based on that I just knew that once he saw the environment like he would understand what it is we do and sure enough he came out and it was kind of like I'm sure he was like what the fuck am I doing here well he was 40 pounds heavier as well sure 
Um, so I was definitely like, what the fuck am I doing yes, here? Exactly. And you guys probably were too. <laughs> no, I, uh, like I know. I mean, like, the stairs were a bit of a because I know, don't think challenge. That's why they're not there anymore. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I, I don't think I d- uh, we identify ourselves by activity most times, but I think that's just as, you know, idiotic as anything. Um, because you can be useful and not be the, you know, the endurance guy at an endurance gym. You can be a big guy and still know stuff about every system, but then have a really good bias that's informative and helpful to other people that don't have those biases so uh, it took maybe what like a day and we're like oh cool these guys aren't total idiots and hate me because i've picked a different lifestyle or pick a different sport or do something that they don't understand it hopefully was something appreciative and before long he chose to be here and the the like the toughest bridge to gap is that like he went from a place that he was living making money to that not liking to a place where there was no real job offer because we're not even employed <laughs> to I'm, like just wanting I'm, to be I'm in that I'm a little nervous about that, by the way. You what? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been nervous about it for a while. <laughs> so I, my question would be like, Keegan's a perfect example of somebody who's bridged the gap. And when I first, um, you know, wanted to work with Mark at Jim Jones, I had to bridge a similar gap. Like I had to do the same thing. I had to move states, I had to get a new job, and I had to figure it out with no security whatsoever. There was no guarantee, there was no offer yet. I just knew if I put myself in an area and I did the thing, then eventually that would happen. And I would ask Keegan to like elaborate on what that felt like to go from an environment that you knew was not constructive to one that hopefully will be constructive. Yeah, um, I've never put a huge emphasis on money, which some people in this room aren't a huge fan of. So not having it wasn't really a stress of mine to move out here. But one thing I am a big believer in <clears throat> is that success begets success. And whether it's starting a new endeavor, um, getting back into fitness from an injury of any sort, you got to kind of just put one foot in front of the other. So in talking to Michael, we'll start with the fitness. Like literally that's what I did. I started walking. So I was broken from powerlifting kept trying to power lift, didn't have anybody to power lift with, injury after injury happened. That was when I got a hold of Michael. And it was kind of just like, hey dude, just start walking. And to me that was, I was like, that's not working out. But that turned into jogging and then I got an assault bike and that turned into doing stupid shit on a bike now all the time for some fucking reason. <laughs> um, we convert everybody to cycling. <laughs> but the thing is like, you gotta kind of take your filter away from what maybe you thought fitness was before an injury or before you were unmotivated and kind of just start doing something and see what that evolves to. Um, so my doing something was the bike that evolved into meeting Joe, which I'm not sure was a positive or negative thing yet. Um, Mark's not sure either, honestly. Last time you were here, I was pretty excited to see you leave. <laughs> if just in case you don't remember that, and then, and then you know, I forgot, and now you're sleeping on the couch again. So it's exactly like an endurance event. Like it starts, <laughs> and you're like, "Why the fuck am I doing this?" And then it ends and you're like, I wonder what the next one is going to be like. like I mean, it, to me, the more interesting thing, it, yes, there's the fitness shift with Keegan, but the more interesting thing is like, oh, well, let's just pack the tent and mm-hmm. move in, in a way. And, yeah. and, and not a, I mean, I don't know exactly what all was in the tent other than, you know, Alex was with you. We had some dogs. And there were, yeah, and there were 12 <laughs> other paws. Right. Also, that, <laughs> um, 
and that that to me is just like okay, I I, I see something that it, it's not clear at all how it's going to turn out. There is no guaranteed job. There is no guaranteed place to stay. I can kind of go like figure some of you know the, the second part out because we all need a place to stay, but then then what? You know how do I, how am I going to integrate? And, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was up in in Idaho, not not so far north it. <laughs> You were welcome in that part <laughs> yeah. of Idaho. Anyway, um, for this this bike race, and there's a, a friend of mine uh, prior. He wasn't in the Navy, and he'd been through a couple seminars um, that I had taught for this particular organization. And he got out, and I said, "How did you end up here?" He said, "Well, uh, looked like a pretty cool place, so I didn't." I am such an asshole. Sorry about the uh, interruption. Um, it, he said, I didn't have any work lined up or whatever. And yeah, I've got some military pension and I've got some, you know, uh, got blown up a few, you know, whatever. So he's got a little bit of money and he just said, yeah, I drove out here towing an RV. We lived in the trailer park for, I can't remember exactly three months, six months, whatever it was until we could found a place that half of a duplex or whatever it was that they could buy and then, and had this idea for a business and it started out really kind of small and now it's less small but it's big enough to not run out of the bedroom this you know this bare bedroom now it's in a you know they have their own commercial space it's growing it's it's like develop a relationship with other um veterans to produce some of the stuff that they're you know that, that he is creating and the guy's got a really creative mind but to me it's that wait you're involved in this organization where there's certain thing, aspects of it that were totally provided for, you know, food, lodging, that kind of thing that is kind of provided for. And then you hook up an RV to the back of a truck and you drive it out and you move into a trailer park and you have no problem with that because even though there's no guarantee of what's going on, it's like you saw that there was potential in this area on the map and decided to go explore. And there's some, and because of what he's been through, believes in himself enough to like be able to sort anything out mm -hmm. but still it's a move across the country and uh it, it into the unknown and there was a there was actually a guy that um for a number of years that trained at jim jones bike racer blasted through you know started racing blasted through the categories really quickly i mean he was pro one two after two years of racing and um and it was just like i really want to do this i really want to do this for a living and i'm just like you did you don't stay here. Yeah. You need to go to Europe. Couldn't make the leap for whatever reason. And so the, so his, I mean, he's in a way better place now <laughs> mentally, as opposed to getting, you know, torn apart by pros, um, but, uh, on the road. But it was just like, that was a, like blasting into the unknown at the place he was in his life to change that environment, to do what he, you know, he thought he really wanted to do. And he, you know, had good potential, um, but it was a, a gap too big to bridge for him. And mm -hmm. so to me, this is a, like, it's an interesting thing to see like, oh, I'm in this bad place. There's probably a better environment that I could, that I, that I could be in um, to be who I want to be or to become who I want to become. I can't completely blame this environment that I'm in um, for, you know, the, the, the fact that I'm not where I want to be right now or who I want to be necessarily, because a lot of that is on me. But 
you know, maybe the catalyst is to change the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. As a comment, do you guys realize that this seminar you're hosting selected for that? Yes. And you, you guys set that up? So yes. it's interesting that that's the topic. That <laughs> I did, I, it is, but in this, this, this will come back around. I mean, because a, a not as a blanket statement, I don't want to sound like a like Silicon Valley kind of like motivational speech, but I don't see very much. I, I'm going to pivot right now. That I don't see very much positivity coming out of ease. Like I, I can't name one, right? Like there is hardship that breeds something. And I get it. There's it's much harder to make these leaps uh, with passengers and with co-pilots. Right, that, like when you have a family and you have this stuff, they become exponentially more complex and difficult. So this is a young man's game or young woman's game, to a point. It's not that it's impossible later. It's just there's more liabilities, there's more collateral that comes from failing. So therefore, the stress enacts. You tend to pull that safety net quicker. Um, but like he was describing with his friend, um, and I would argue with the cyclist version, I was like, it was probably too comfortable. And he had all the potential in the world. And yes, it's true. The likelihood that we'd make it as a pro cyclist in Europe was less than 1% or whatever it is. Um, and it feels probably really good that he could go out locally pro one, two and just smash the fuck out of everybody here. So that is a little bit too comfortable, but the other guy had nothing. Everything was uncomfortable. Therefore he's just going to push to and make it work because you have to. Hey, can I answer that up, yeah. Mark? Um, so, Back where I'm from, you know, if you want to do something fun, you go out and eat and drink versus go out and go for a bike ride or go work out. So what if, for example, I want to change my environment, like you had said, and that's kind of the comment I wanted to make. How, how would I go about doing that? Because I know when you founded Jim Jones, you probably came out here by yourself and you probably met a group of, group of people or you had a small group and that expanded, right? Or I'm not sure how that happened, but how would you go about starting to build a good community like where I'm from? And then initially try to to foster a good group of people to keep me going to become the man I want to be like back where I live. Well, you got a guy right behind you who lives in the same place you do and clearly has a similar mindset. So maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, I think he should answer that question that we got in there. Dale, you want to come up and elaborate? <laughs> Put you on the spot, Dale. By the way, it's nice to see you again. So my name's Gerald. I live in McAllen also. And... I'm 40 pounds overweight because of my crappy choices, not sure. because of McAllen, Texas. But <laughs> we get up and um, we work out six days a week at 5 a.m. is the trick. So I have built a community where uh, it's at my garage three days a week, and then we go to a little private gym that opens up early the other three days. It's like four guys, and we just... Do you got room for one more? We got, Yeah, of course. <laughs> you just got to get up at 4 o'clock, and you got to be there, and you got to do the work. We don't All right, prob talk problem solved. Like Who's next? I work in Mexico every day, so I get there and we get done and we get back. So there's already a lot of those little cultures. You just got to go find them. My my answer for you was was like, oh well, if if the if you want to go do something and the and the something is to go eat and drink, I'm just like, well, fucking earn it. Like, because it, it doesn't, you know, there's a, I don't know how, it, 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 I don't think Texas is the problem. I don't think the local place in Texas is a problem necessarily other than the fact that everybody around you is giving you permission to behave in the way that they have, you know, all agreed unconsciously amongst themselves themselves to conduct their lives. 
and when we see those those examples, I mean, the, when I first came to Salt Lake, um, I was I had just spent five years full time and the better part of a decade um, living in the French Alps, and I was one of the better climbers in the world at that time. And I got here, and there's one or two guys that are good. The rest are mediocre as fuck. So what happens? Well, I'm going to sink to the level of the lowest common denominator, slightly above the lowest. I still got to be the man because that's the reputation that I have. But there's nothing. There was there there was nothing to pull me up in a sense. Nothing. No challenge to rise to. It was acceptable to be slightly better than mediocre and still get all of the social reinforcement and whatever ego stroking bullshit that was important at the time. Um, but I was still being sort of, you know, if we use the crabs in the bucket analogy, you know, I was still being dragged down into the bucket un, you know, un, unconsciously by everything that was around me. And so it really, it, and it is really, really hard to fight against the environment that you're in because you don't, because it's a, it's a, it's a, because the enemy is everywhere every minute of every hour of every day, but you don't see them as that because they're just other people. I work with them. I go to school with them. Like I don't see it as, and, and I think it's, it, it's honestly, it's a conscious shift in vision first to recognize like, oh, I am, I, I can't, I actually have to fight something. Therefore, I have to characterize these people around me who they're not my enemies necessarily. It's just that the choices that they've made, the way that they behave, the way that they conduct their lives is affecting the way that I conduct mine. I need to, and, and part of that, the first thing, obviously, it's a, sort of a, a, a fight with yourself to disengage in a way that isn't cruel. And that's a really tough thing. So I kind of want to elaborate on something he poked at. There was two things that got mentioned that, that are common themes that come up. And there's something we call kind of the 90% rule, which um, kind of attenuates that 10% of people are worth following. Like 10% of people can drag you out of the bucket. Oh, oh no, the guard dog is. Yeah. You guys watch out. Lambert will tear you apart. With He's, his tongue. But other than that. <laughs> so there's... Um, there's that there's there's finding like what the people worth being around are right find those people who are more than likely to uh, drag you up and then identify the bottom 10 percent who are more than likely dragging you down right like those two are dangerous people because one is dangerous because they're going to push you to the edge the other dangerous because they're going to drag you to the bottom we're all probably somewhere in the middle somewhere um there's characters in your life that'll come momentarily be the 10% and they'll probably take care of you. They, if, if you hold on for dear life, the other thing that you kind of touched on that I thought was really interesting. He's just really excited. <laughs> the, the other thing that you touched on, uh, which uh, Michael kind of mentioned before was this, um, grouping together, this tribalism that happens based off of beliefs. And I would call kind of bullshit on how the, like, majority of people um, are using this as, I'm gonna say it like a CrossFit banner. You're part of our tribe, come in. 
the one distinction, if you look at like uh, anthropological definitions of tribes, you're going to find a couple things like belief systems, uh, rituals. Um, the one thing that is absolutely paramount for a tribe is exclusivity. It's not about who's included. It's about who's not included. And in which case, if people use tribe as a definition of who they're not including, I think it's important. But usually it's like, hey, come be part of our training tribe. And you're like, fuck you. Like you totally are missing the point of this. We need a group that is not going to do the weekend thing or the night thing. And we're going to, you know, okay, that, that's an artificial. No, we're special. We train at 9 a.m. <laughs> that's our tribe. It, it could be an artificial enemy like you meant. Okay, yeah, they're just people. They're not real bad guys. But if I gave you something that made, you know, if I gave you a pill and that pill made you fat, and that pill made you lazy and it made you complacent. That's a disease. That we'd disease would be an enemy. And yeah, we would call that, you know, put that pill into a culture. That culture can be an enemy. And that, that sucks today to say because most everybody wants to be inclusive and, you know, fairness and treated right and all, all that stuff's great for like when we're talking about the mass media. But there's something that should be included. He mentioned it really quickly. The, the problem with inclusiveness is that 100% of the time it leads to regression of the mean. You will become the average of what the population average is. So if the population average in your area is fat or unhealthy or whatever, you're more than likely going to fall into that demographic unless you make a very hard split and create your own environment, excluding what you know to be unhelpful for that. Fair enough? Yeah. Yeah. And we're inclusive. Keegan, we I, I, Keegan. I, 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 He's nothing like us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's starting. He has his one-man spin class. Yeah, if anybody wants to join that, <laughs> feel free. That's uh, pretty good. I, it, it's a hard subject to cover because we're, we're constantly trying to evolve how, how our environment is shaped. Like, that, that's a conversation that probably had at least twice a week, three times a week. I mean, well, we haven't been talking that much lately, so it's probably down to twice a week. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but it is, it's like, you know, everything from the lighting, from, from the people we allow in here, from the, you know, what the feel is uh, and more or less, everybody is welcome to at some point come experience it. And if you add to the group, you're welcome to stay. If you're a liability, you'll be asked not to return. But Michael, you're back. Um, I am. I'm surprised. I'm, you know, sometimes Michael looks at me funny, right? But I, I get that 100%, right? But what I find as a challenge, and I think this might be the weakness of human arrogance, right, is that I think it goes back to what you see playing out politically, right, where we have our, you know, tribes or our people and we – have this incessant reel and we end up buying into our own bullshit and that's me i say we because that's me included right uh i still don't know what i'm going to do with all this stuff but i my contention is that i i'm going to try to bring people like like the people at the the, the crabs in the bucket right there's this old saying each one teach one a lot of those in my experience a lot of those crabs in that bucket are pulling people because it's not because they're necessary. You do have some idiots and some people just aren't going to add value, right? But in my experience, 
There are also people who are those crabs that are pulling people down. They're doing it because they don't know what they don't know. And they think they know, right? So the challenge, at least in, in my mind, is that once you find, you know, that those people and once you break, once you're strong enough to break out of your own comfort zone and you find some people who have, a, who, who look at life through that same prism, um, how do you do the each one teach one thing and look back at these folks and the other folks in the bucket, not all of them, because some of them, even though a lot of times they annoy the shit out of me, I call them the general public, but there is a lot of potential in these people. And at the end of the day, in my humble opinion, this stuff, like I said earlier in my kind of uh, drunken tirade, whatever, but it's that we should be, you know, building more bridges and bringing more folk together, right? So I don't know, you know, I, I get 100% because there, if, you're in, if you're doing something, right, you want to be around like-minded people. But, I mean... But too much it, of that leads to... Yeah, yeah, yeah saturation. A True. circle jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and no progress because everybody's just... Yep, it is the same. So, in my mind, I don't know, I could be wrong, but the challenge is to what could... I would look at by myself I'm, if... Because a lot of times we know if that's, at least for me, that saturation comes. So I ask myself, it'd be coming to me, what action steps can I take that aren't futile that could hopefully bring some of these other folks? It's not going to be successful with all of them, or uh, is I, it I, even possible? I'll tell um, you the answer right now. You think? Teach yeah. more than one. No oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I mean, you could, because... And, and, you know, one of the, the ideas of sort of controlling the environment is like, okay, we can't reach everyone. True. We can reach, but if we can, you know, if I can change one, I can change two. And if yep. two can be changed, then four can be changed. And then it will sort of double or the people will go, you know, if they, they are, have their eyes opened to the potential that they actually do have, then they can each one teach one yeah. it, because and they wouldn't even have to have progressed that far in order to like show someone else hey or to recognize it in someone else and honestly i think what the, one of the things you said there and and unfortunately this is going to be public so now i gotta i'm gonna have to wear this but you know 10 years ago 15 years ago i would never have said that i think more people have more potential than uh the not and I see that as a positive thing. I see that, you know, we need to, okay, the, the people that come into the environment that do change, that do sort of progress, evolve, grow, whatever band words we want to use, um, and then leave the nest and go forth and affect others. Like, but we have to, you know, start small. You can't show everyone or indicate to everyone. But if you're there in Chicago and you've been here a few times now and I know that you train with other people even though you hate them. <laughs> I train with other people and hate them. Oh, come that, on. That you are having a positive effect on those people and they are, you know, if we'll, you know, just grant me the Ronald Reagan trickle-down theory sort of bastardized <laughs> for this use. Reaganomics. Um, uh, uh, um, that, that they may not be affecting people, you know, in the outer rings of their circle to the same extent that you are affecting them, but there is a positive, like you see somebody make a change of some kind, even whether it's in attitude, whether it's in, you know, physical composition, you know, whatever that is, they change their circumstances in some way. Like, well, fuck, if he can do it, then it's worth taking a swing. Like I should try it. And 
you know, honestly, and it, you know, maybe it came up in uh, some some discussion recently, but just like look at people who had no that I would have written off as ah, you're a waste of skin, and then I see someone who you know, like two weeks ago at this race, people who've never you know, you know, there's part of it that's just open to whatever and. People turn up and yeah, I started riding the bike two years ago and yeah, I'm oh you know I'm overweight but overweight but I was more overweight before, and now I made this change and I like decided to like step into this environment, make a commitment to do this thing, and now I'm in a, I'm finding this other group of people that like oh there's another person that was also in the same condition that I was in and found their way to this same idea and journey, just totally by accident. Sorry, getting all positive here and fucking with my <laughs> reputation, but but it was a, actually it was a really inspiring kind of thing, and I, you know I, I think that each one teach one is a pretty powerful tool. You're I'll say this now, sit down, uh, but I I agree because some of the folk I work with back home, and not even not even them, just in general, if I go to a gym, whether it's an exclusive gym or whatever or a global gym, blah blah blah, if I see I'm typically more impressed, right, by the quote-unquote obese person who's going in the gym. Why did you look at me? What? No, you I looked just directly did the at me when you said obese person. Hey, hey, hey brother. Okay. And no, the, the oh, yeah. game started over yeah, here and yeah. then did yeah. land on you. It's true, Keegan, but uh, yeah, 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 I, I don't I think he meant anything by it. Really. No, I, I, yeah. I, I you have a lot of potential. You, you do, you do, brother. Jack Jesus all day, baby. Uh, but. I have more respect, I don't need to say respect, but I'll say more regard for that person. I'll use my, own, my dad because my dad held, you know, average dude in his 60s, 70s. I mean, I had to drag this dude, this, this man uh, to the gym kicking and screaming. Earl was like, the hell with this, right? But I have more respect for that type of person who can stick it and gut it out and then, and obviously, once they see that progress to what you're saying, hey, then it becomes natural, right? Yeah. But when they first go into it, they catch hell because the the judgment, the and let's be real. That's even even though we say, oh, I don't care about what people. That's bullshit. We do because we wouldn't do some of the things we did if if we didn't care about what folks thought. You see what I'm saying? And we all know that. So I have more respect for that type of person than the so-called like not Jack Jesus, but that keeps going on in my head the looping. But that you know the the stereotypical, you know, gym rat, right? Who's, who's been there for a really long time. True. And you walk in, like you join that gym and that guy's a fixture, has been a fixture, yeah. never changes while you're there. Yeah. But then you drag Earl in. Yeah. It's tough. And Earl doesn't while. go out and Earl doesn't stop. Now Earl, he got pretty, he goes all the time, right? He don't, he goes he more He got enough me. positive feedback yeah. that yeah. it became an important catalyst in yeah. some way. Yeah. So if I can, with, with my limited, you know, reach, can get to those type folk and to your point if they can once they say well hell this fool can do it so i can even do halfway what he does and then what they do domino effects to somebody else and then i think that i don't know help bridge gaps and i'll i'll sit down i, I think a lot of what you're talking about is is the beacon of what this stuff is and it's not necessarily because if we go you know what you described to me sounds a lot like a ponzi scheme <laughs> <laughs> ponzifitness.com is that the i just well yeah because if it's the trickle down it eventually dilutes and like in some beacons are hotter than others and what you're trying to do is be as 
potentially positive as possible to influence people around you positively. But the heat from the fire is, you know, it's dissipates it, with distance. It's all uh, good. I, I think we maybe should have, make an observation. Yes. So what was your name again? Israel. Israel. So I don't know you. We've been in the room, what? Well, longer than we think. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my mind, you're asking those questions. And so you're like on your way to an answer. Because at some point, once you get to that breaking point with enough pain, you'll make a different decision. Um, and so I think that's the fallacy is that you're like looking for people on the outside to fix it. And they can only do a certain point. And then once that point comes, that's your decision to make. And that's the hard point. Um, I think what you wrote something once, like a, a rut is a grave with the ends knocked out or something. Um, and when I was in a, a job where I was about to blow my brains out back in the past, I stuck that on my wall and changed it in six weeks because it was like, this is it. You got to do it. Uh, there's something like, there's something to that. What, what people are looking for when they see environment, they're usually looking for somebody that represents environment or <clears throat> a tribe that they want to be like, like I'm looking to emulate something. So I look to the people that do sports because that's what I want to, like, I want to go on adventures. I look at, you know, Instagram where they travel because I want to see those places. I look at weightlifters that, well, if you've seen them on Instagram, you've already been. So, (laughs) Uh, but what we really like, it it comes down to like most of these beacons are standing up in, in most of the things that motivate people because uh, capability is universally, uh, universally applicable and appreciated. Right. And, an effort is unbiased and it's also admired. And the combination of those two um, are generally the most potent factors in setting up like who could lead a potential environment or who is what they want to be, right? The, uh, we're usually coming back to what you're capable of. And if you're capable of good things, then you can create environments. And if you can create environments and you can attract other people that want to also be capable too. And so for me, like setting up a potential environment, the easiest way is like be capable yourself first. What does that take? The answer is in the, like whatever you want to be capable of. So in response, in response to, what's your name, bro? Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. So in response to Jeremy, um, I know the answer for myself. I'm just not, I'm not asking a question for myself. I'm asking for my, my community because I know that the hard work and suffering mm-hmm. and going through, through shit is what builds character. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you into who you are. So like... You know, I was raised in a pretty difficult in a family environment when I was younger. I graduate, you know, top 5% of my class. And then, you know, two weeks later, I was homeless and uh, went to school, dropped out, you know, worked crappy jobs, check to check, put myself through nursing school. Um, eventually, uh, you know, it's just the struggle, the difficulty of, of being raised, you know, abusive, you know, physical, mental, emotional, you know, not having any family, not having any support, not having anything. Um, is, is those, those struggles personal, you know, everyone has their struggles, everyone has their demons that they're going to confront. So you have to just kind of go through it and you push through and you end up becoming like learning a different lessons, like working out. Like I, I kind of got off the wagon, not because I don't know how to work out. It's because I got hurt, but I know that once I fix myself, the only way I'm going to get back on the wagon is to, to bust my ass and to put in the work. So the thing is a lot of people don't, where I'm from don't have that same mentality they don't want to go run six miles a day they don't want to go and and earn it like you said because i used to go out i was you know 
have my little abs back in the day, but I would always go and run about three or four miles and then I'd go to the bars. And I'd go out and eat and I'd work out and I'd run and then I'd go on a, you know, go out and do my thing when I was younger. But people where I'm from don't want to put in that much commitment. And there's friends of mine that are overweight. There's friends of mine that are sick and they don't want to hurt. They want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So the question is like, once I get myself back in the wagon, mm -hmm. how can I get someone else to appreciate putting themselves through some pain? And, and I know you guys are, are really good at doing that. <laughs> um, so uh, both your questions to me seem somewhat similar or your statement more so than a question and your question. Um, and it seems like everybody's trying to help the masses. Right, like how do we help 10 people, 15 people, 20 people? I would say help one. Because you can't help five people if you can't help one person, right? So you gotta start with one, figure out your message, the way you wanna deliver it. Because you obviously have a compelling story, right? Like you've, you've been through some shit, which that will resonate to somebody on some level. So you gotta figure out a way to deliver that and who you wanna deliver that to, to start that process of helping other people. And I can't tell you how to do that. That's some are going to be like trial and error and that, same with really you terrible at it like i would ask aaron because she's really good at it. like she real like she's better at communicating this idea because it is accessible like it's not threatening me i'm like er i don't like people and you know so a good stuff is scary and all this stuff is hard and she's just like well third session of the day love cupcakes and people are like yeah i want that thing so that like <laughs> But so this is a problem of our misuse of language in the past for whatever reason that and this is something that keeps that has has come up a lot lately is like if you if you keep saying it's hard, it's never going to not be hard. And we we will just build it up in 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 our minds like, oh, man, this is really difficult. And then I'm grimacing and then I'm that and this and that. And then, you know, two weeks ago, I, you know, am watching Rebecca Rush and uh, and listening to her. I'm like, oh my God, this is the most cheerfully optimistic person that I know of. And she's done some really, really terrible things to herself on a bike and adventure racing and that kind of thing. And, and with, the, with this level of optimism that I, like, I, I find remarkable, I'm never going to be that person. I can't. I mean, that's just, I, I don't have it in me. But I realize that, you know, and, 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 and part of what we have, you know, done or what's happened in the past, especially when you'd be on these, you know, later during the trajectory of some of these movie jobs, and we're talking with, you know, people who are going to be in front of cameras, who are going to be interviewed about their, their role, their transformation, their, you know, oh my God, how did you do this and this and that sort of thing. And for the ego is always going to say that it's harder than it was, and that it was, there was more deprivation than actually existed. And and that just pushes people out. That makes the gulf bigger. That makes it impossible. That makes the people, Israel, in your community who look at that and they're just like, oh, yeah, I could never do that because this person that I admire is saying it was so fucking hard that, you know, that, that it was even problematic for them when they're, you know, coddled from fucking start to finish. Um, and just say, hey, go on this press tour. And every time someone asks you about this, say it wasn't that bad. Sacri your ego's going to get enough fucking stroking, for, you know, if the movie's a, a success. Um, it, you don't need your ego to be stroked in this particular situation, but you have the opportunity right now to narrow that gulf and make it possible for other people. Just use it. And no one has ever done it. Every single one, whether they agreed to it or not, you know, in the beginning, you know, agreed to say, to, to speak in a way where it was, it was pretty normal. 
Like, no, you didn't train 27 hours a day because there aren't 27 hours in a fucking day. And you didn't eat nothing but kale and dust because we hire people with like, you know, maybe Aaron will be cooking for you and that'll be like the best six months of your fucking life on term, <laughs> in terms of eating. Um, and so it really wasn't that bad. It was different maybe than the lifestyle that you're used to, but it really wasn't that bad. All you need to do is say that and say it with a smile and honestly say that this is within reach to other people and they will try it. But the, the, the harder you say it is, the less likely they are to try and the percentage of unhealthy and obese will go up. And, you know, yes, you'll be a marvel of, you know, plastic reconstruction, you know, 10 years from now or whatever. But I know you, you've got an excellent. Can we get an Apple time. box for the. Is there a box I can stand on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's just changing your definitions. Okay. Change your definitions. And, and I go through that all the time with the, the recreational riders. Is this like, the same thing as alternative facts? It's okay. not, it's not <laughs> fake news. Okay. It's just like change your definition of what's normal now. Fuzzy math. <laughs> so it's, and I think that you just need to like change your definitions, change the definition of one person around you. Uh, and, and that's how it's going to start. You know, I, I grew up in Northwest Ohio in uh, a culture of jello salads and potato chip casseroles. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> wait, about. <laughs> wait. You had me a potato chip casserole. <laughs> I'm still not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I have found myself here eventually. So you just gotta take that step. And a lot of it is you just gotta, you just need to do it. So, sorry, Nike. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I'll, I'll give, I think Gary I'll, I'll, like, said it first, I'll make but. kind of a different point because a lot of people are talking about like the downfall. They, they're summing up the downfall of society. Everybody's gonna be fat, everybody's gonna be this, but I actually think that it's shifting. And this is not my normal, you know, pessimistic view of the world but i honestly do think there's a shift only because value is changing because you can buy kind of whatever the fuck you want but i don't think people can buy health and they can't buy the physique that they want and they can't buy capability and you're gonna think you're gonna see those things become exponentially more valuable in the future so there there is we're gonna start looking at people who are different and then the herd mentality will shift because there's been such a focus on attainment of wealth and attainment of property and things that you can purchase if you just work hard and whatever that bullshit is. And those things grind. don't apply. I think hmm? it, grind, right? Gr oh, you yeah. Hustle. Grind. I meant hustle. hustle. Okay. So hustle, grind equals wealth or whatever. And uh, that doesn't work for being capable. Like you also have to be smart and you have to work and, and you have all these other things that go into it. And people are finding out quickly that it's not just as easy as doing X diet and applying X program, because although they'll get results from that for, for somewhat, it's not universally applicable. And this is the hardest thing with nutrition in, in teaching it is that the big thing is it depends. Like the answer to everything is it depends. Um, and that's not good enough for people because they want X, Y is equal to Z. And that the capability isn't like that. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to 
deadlift a thousand pounds. Sorry, like too late or not for you or impossible because there's luck thrown in there. And maybe that's what makes it an interesting. Because you're 6'3 and 150. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I'm 6'3 and 150. I want to be a Tour de France champion or whatever. And you're like, ah, you're just not likable. Therefore, no one will take you on a team. Like there, there's all sorts of factors that we're not considering. Like, yeah, yeah, you're great at riding a bike, but you're a fucking asshole. Like nobody wants to ride with you or no one wants to support you or, you know, in, in the, and I see this happen a lot because this, this is the disillusionment of success sometimes to people. This happens all the time in military. I saw it happen in CrossFit where if you were around at a certain time, um, and you were fucking capable and you did all the same things. You were better than some people at certain things, but the magic ratio wand thing happens and some people escalate into positions of power and success and you go, the fuck? Like, I was better than that guy. I was smarter than that guy. Why does that guy have money? And then you bring, you try to bring them. Your whole activity is just being... Well, you suck at social media, so... Or, yeah, you're just begrudging over it. Like... You know, team guys get out or whoever get out and they don't own Black Rifle Coffee Company and they're not shooting machine guns in the desert with girls in bikinis. And But they were like, oh, but I was more effective in my actual job. So they look at that brand as like, oh, fuck those guys because I'm the real deal. Or in CrossFit, you go, oh, you know, I was there on the first day that Greg Glassman taught this thing and he's making hundreds of millions of dollars, but I'm smarter than him. Therefore, fuck that guy. My stuff, like you, you just get into this bubble and that becomes a problem too because people aren't considering that luck and personality have a lot to do with this, like as, a, as well as capability. And I think all those things need to be realized and then understood the value of those things. Like if you are capable, effective, you have all the ability in the world um, and you are not successful, well, what's your tone of voice? Like maybe you're just ugly. Like I don't know what the thing is like. I, I, and all the time in development pipeline and cycling, yeah. is getting on or not getting on. Yeah, cycle, cycling would be a good example because that is a very like, uh, that's a very tight knit group. And then there's politics thrown in, right? Like there's, there's like, oh, that guy's going to be the up and coming best. But the person in charge of USA Cycling was like, eh, it was at a time where I like this person better. So they get the golden ticket. Happens in weightlifting. Like weightlifting is just kind of an education workforce. It happens everywhere. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a human being thing. And therefore it's universal to all activities. doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. And I think that needs to be talked about a little bit more often because there is no equation for success. If there was, we would all be successful. And maybe that's the anger and the entitlement that's coming out is we're slowly figuring out that the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world are fucking full of shit. There is not just wake up, grind, hustle. If success was built on purely hard work, railroad workers would be fucking billionaires and they're not. Do you want to try to drop the mic or? <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> push I, it I, over. I, I, could <laughs> kick, I could kick that one over, but. I think we're like, um, I think yeah, that was 55 minutes. Yes. So we started late. We agreed on 45 before we opened, you know, or whatever. I, it, but it seemed like it kind of flowed naturally. I'm happy to. Okay. So we tangent keep. a little bit, but not bad. We do want to open up. Let's go, let's say 30 minutes for Q and a, whatever. How, oh, well, oh, well, I was going to say, say if we want to diverge and go on to other topics, um, because I think we hit that one pretty good. So it's up to you guys. You guys have any other budding questions that would take us otherwise otherwise we can hit this tack a sec yeah <laughs> <laughs>
when does Mark's book come out? <laughs> Seems to be a... Hold that. Hold um, that thought, Israel. Soon. Um, do you I, want to explain or do you want me to give the very... Uh, you better give it. I'll just get like super emotional about it and I'm going to go in the back and slash my wrist. So, sure. So... Um, um, the book project yeah, yeah, is okay. Yeah. <laughs> he has I a did D DNR on his chest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there. it's a new tattoo. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. Hey, Ross, you're about to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Refuge, which will be the next book, is very, very close to actually being done. But because Mark is a perfectionist, which we all respect, it's going through iterations that no other human being on the world would do. So, in effect, <laughs> um, it's done. It is done, actually. All we're dealing with was how to communicate to the printer correctly, right? So, <laughs> and, and apparently how to get my computer to communicate right. with the printer's computer So the correctly. whole course on conflict communication does not apply to machines. Like, <laughs> we, we can move from competition to cooperation with people pretty easily, but machines are fucking irritating. So on the style of printer that they ch chose for doing beautiful photographs it happens to have a hard time converting digitally into that because you can't proof it you have to proof on digital and when you get it back it's basically a or they'll sheet. do oh this is our printer this printer here is scaled exactly to the litho printer um except when we use this one that we do the proofs on we can't print on the actual final paper so what you're seeing here in the proof is going to be different than what you see <laughs> you know when it's finally printed using this old technology I'm like, well, then why would I pay you to do a proof if it's not helping me to make a decision? In fact, it's making my life more painful. And I go home at night and like, like look through the bottom of vodka bottle and the pictures don't look any better through the bottom of that bottle. Um, you know, in these proofs, I just can't like, maybe I'm just not drinking enough. So it's a, it's a downside of, of wanting to put out the best possible product and um, it's going to be soon. I would say. I would yeah. say before the end of the year. I, I you know, sure. If Mark doesn't certainly, die, certainly I, this I, century, I think we can agree on that. <laughs> if Mark doesn't die before the end of the year, it should be out before the end of the year. Even if I do, self-inflicted wounds. Take, like, <laughs> um, so that yeah. So there's some some technical issues, but it is done. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in in a theoretical sense, but there are not physical examples that I'm comfortable with. Apologies for being late. Um, no worries. <laughs> very late, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> you guys talk about changing the language quite a lot. Um, so in some ways, do you give credence to NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming? Mm -hmm. So you basically reframe how you look at things, how you word things. So in your head, it kind of instead of being the enormous object, it's almost like trivialized. So then you can smash down this barriers. Is, do you give credence to that at all? Yeah, well, language evolves, right? Like that, that's the hardest thing to accept is that um, the definitions evolve based on popular use as well, but also um, just colloquially, like how we use certain terms. So it's very hard. We look at systems like we have one really complex language and we need to teach something in another and meet somebody with another complex language. So if I was, you know, I speak English and somebody speaks Japanese, there's this thing called Rumanji, right? So it's Roman expressed Japanese words. That's the bear, like that's the 
that that's the translation that allows me to kind of bridge the gap from being like, yeah, I understand half of it, but I don't know what the word means. And then that will come into play. Um, we have the same problem where we're speaking about philosophical terms. We're speaking in uh, maybe just physical fitness terms, and that needs to get translated. And the the mode that we do that has to be expressed in like a general manner that people can pick up on and kind of get bits of. But then the aha moments come to when you can actually just speak fluently in that language. So a, a lot of what we do in teaching and putting out this stuff is what I would describe as Ramanji or what Mark called the other day, Jimanji, which I thought was pretty fucking funny. Is that what you mean by instead of saying weaker hand, less dominant hand? Yes. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, in some ways you are programming, you know, if you, if you say weak hand, strong hand, well, the weak one is always going to, you know, it, yeah, it, it you're, knows. You're thinking of it as and, and you know in your head, this is automatically, you know, but if I, if I say dominant or non-dominant and I say strong, less strong, the, the outcome's the same and, 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 and I'm actually not reprogramming my had that much. I am acknowledging that this hand over here, the whichever one that is, fucking blows. I mean, that 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 thing just will not obey. Uh, you know, the it takes. It, it, it's kind of yeah. I can barely brush my teeth with it. You know, like uh, without you know having a little bulimia moment. But uh, <laughs> that's how I maintain my figure. If you were wondering, you're doing great. Yeah. Why? Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I Your hair's looking a little frail, but it, well. So I don't know if you noticed the picture that Joe posted today. He put a nice filter on it. I look super tan. Like I was almost George Hamilton tan today <laughs> out there. Almost. Anyway, but but the so sometimes it's 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 a gentle language shift because if you make a radical sh you know too radical a shift then mm. then then it's then it doesn't then it is Japanese you know, or you know or whatever the language that you don't understand. So there is I I think a process of uh, of restructuring the, the the words, but it has to be done in this sort of gentle progressive way because I've said weak you know I've said weak hand for probably 10 times, 30 times, 40 times longer than I've been saying less strong hand. So to, how many you know, good reps does it take to override a bad rep? You know, once I heard 10 to one, so if I said weak hand you know, 100 times in my life or 1,000 times, well, it's gonna be 10 times that of doing it right and not fucking it up once because that one fuck up takes me back a few steps. Okay. I guess like ingraining like a habit. So it is ingraining like a habit. And, 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 and unfortunately we, we are, we easily acquire habits that become desperately hard to change. Yeah, very fair. And the, <laughs> the, on the language thing, it, it plays out even deeper than that. Like he mentioned for a second, like uh, some of the projects we ended up trying to get people to talk about it. Like it, it's not this big overhaul. Like it is not so difficult. I did not have to die or come close to death, even though it feels like it sometimes, because we want to entice people with certain language, but also because that does make it more difficult to come back to it. Like if I'm grimacing and grunting and like trying to finish out, you know, a row segment and it's so hard and I lay on the ground after and tell everybody how terrible it was, what's the likelihood you're gonna get up and do another round? Like our, our, or come our back two days from now and, yeah, do it and, again. and volunteer for that same experience. It's somewhat daunting. Right, and the other part of that is language. So. Language dictates quite a bit about philosophy, and the the weird thing about language is that it's contradictory. There's paradoxes. Like most 
Most misinterpretations are language problems. Most arguments are just a variation of language problems. Um, there's nothing in this physical world that is a true contradiction. It can't be. It can't physically exist if it's a contradiction, but language is. So our use of it, we have to be very careful. And I read once that 200 pounds <laughs> is always 200 pounds. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I think that it is true. It's a truth. Uh, okay. Um, Does it weigh more when it's moving? No, it weighs more when I um, put it in kilos. <laughs> Especially if you don't have that cool thing on your phone that the tells you exactly what it is. I'm so the, the tough, it is, it's a hard, it's a very hard subject. And one of the things like, you know, even especially with me, it's like, I, I like language and I like new words and I always try to like broaden vocabulary and expand the lexicon. But most times that's unuseful actually, because it makes it harder to understand. Like I pick words that are interesting to me and subjects that are related to what I'm interested at the time. And when I try to transfer that to somebody, I lose the whole fucking point. Because so Michael's in therapy right now. Uh, he's not on a couch, but he is discussing some problems he has with the use of words. You're in a safe place. <laughs> I highly doubt that because it's being recorded. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just I got a coin, so I'm on the I'm on the whole thing. Um, it's just worth noting because like my habits and what's interesting to me it can be harmful for other people. But we can't, the, the, I think the, the, the more dangerous part with language, you know, especially in this context, is the, is the, is the casual use. Like the, the throwaway you know, sort of thing that we don't notice the words that we're saying, therefore we can't be sensitive to how the individual or individuals yeah, are right. hearing them. Different impact perceptions of other people. Like it could fall, almost like force them to challenge. Well, it gives them a challenge to if you say something is brutal or difficult mm -hmm. or bloody hard, it could in turn. You mean have it a, becomes brutally it, redundant? Well, there's that, but <laughs> but it also it, it's self fulfilling in a way. Right. And if and, and for, you know for a long time we would try and instill you know greater levels of stress by the, precisely by the use of language. Like oh man, yeah, the door to the gym's locked. You're not getting out, and what you're about to do is really really awful. And, you know, we do have a bathroom. If you feel like you need to be sick, you don't get to stop. You can take a break and go throw up if you need to. But, and, and rinse. Is anybody else but, already getting that feeling in their stomach just listening to Mark say that? <laughs> I mean, the door is locked, actually. <laughs> but, but it, it, and so we would increase the stress by way of, you know, setting up the task. The task itself didn't become any more difficult. Like the, the, the 200 pounds was still the 200 pounds and the, you know, the, 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 the 500 meters on the run machine was still 500 meters, but we would tr intentionally try to make it more difficult um, by using language, by setting it up so that people brought a lot of sort of internal stress or apprehension into the task itself because we, I thought that was kind of a good thing because then when people do succeed and that's a, that, that in, in, you know, if, if you set it up right, no matter what you say, no matter how hard it is, the person is going to get through it. So if they come through that and they succeed, they think they accomplished more than they actually did, which can provide positive feedback to keep them coming back, to keep them sort of, wow, I actually am more capable than I thought I was. Five years down the road, 10 years down the road, that comes back to bite us in the ass because this has become a more common way to use language 
but not with the intent that we had in the beginning. Now people are using that same language in order to like, oh, now I'm going to post this. And these guys said this was brutally hard and blah, blah, blah. But I did it anyway. And now, you know, please pat my back because I'm really tired of patting myself on the back. So I post on social media and this and that. So the way that we were using the language in these sort of controlled circumstances then became, you know, sort of part of the broader lexicon, if you will, the broader language within the fitness space, I'll say. Um, and but but not using it in the same way that we were trying to in these controlled environments, which was to actually take these individuals on this journey, which converted, which changed their self image. And now it's um, and now we're fighting against it. And we well, yeah, and you, you have to because language shifts very quickly. Like we, we do need to feel good about the work that we did. So we like, man, the 2000 meter row, it was really hard. I worked really hard. I worked my ass off. Was, I couldn't even do it. It was brutal. I mean, I went at it. I was so violent. And then before you're filing a charge down at the fucking police office or C2 machine raped you, like it becomes something that it's not. It becomes an That entity. was the skier, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the handles, yeah. painful. The, the idea though, it, use language to your advantage in, in getting, in promoting people to do more. We, we set the language so that they're capable. Like what's your best deadlift? What, what's the best you've done so far as opposed to the opposite? So, you know, what, what do you think you can do? What's your best? All of this is positive and geared towards breaking boundaries, but in a competition, I'll do the exact opposite to opponents. I'll be like, what's your max? How close is that to your max? How's your back? You had a back pain. Is your back okay? Like I'll make everything geared towards negative because once you can instill the psychology of negative, the, the problem is, is that coaches in the, um, in this industry, in an attempt to shorthand everything, use negative language. What's your max? Well, then how the fuck are you going to go past that? You just described it as your maximum. Like there's no way. If it, what, 405 pounds, that's your max. What happens when you put 406 on? A wormhole fucking sucks you and you die. I don't like ask uh, Keegan what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that you're, story again. You're back. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just never gets old for me personally. But <laughs> uh, it can be. It, it is definitely a tool. And language is, although a broad, encompassing subject, it is directly related to the. It's the tires of an automobile. It's the only thing that connects one thing to the next. You know, you could have all the knowledge in the world, all the physiology in the world, all the psychology, uh, psychological manipulation in the world. But if you can't communicate it properly, you're just spinning tires. Like you're just blowing smoke up people's asses. So to Mark's point, his story, and I think this is the one you're talking about. I'll give the brief explanation. So we're in California. I was working with Jesse Burdick. He's a fairly well-known powerlifting coach, at least in the United <laughs> States. Um, and wait, for- wait, 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 excuse me. I'm- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now I'm ready to hear this again. For maybe three years, I was like, I want a 500 pound deadlift. That's all I want to do. That's like the goal was 500 pounds. And I got to the point I could do 495 for a triple. I couldn't move 500 pounds off the ground to save my fucking life. It's the last five that are the hardest to No, like no bullshit. Lose. Like it didn't, the bar <laughs> and, barely bent. And gain, and gain yeah. apparently. So one day I went into the gym, like he, me and Jesse are good friends. He knows my whole backstory. He knows this whole story for uh, the beginning of it. So he just started loading pounds on the bar, kilos on the bar. I had no fucking idea what was on the bar. Walked away that day. I think I deadlifted like 525. Two months later, I was at a meet. I deadlifted 609. It's a bit of a jump there. And it was just all, all up here. And I mean, that's, I think, somewhat of an outlier circumstances, at least for like a jump on a bar. I actually had a similar 
like very you always similar. do with deadlifting actually and we've and yeah. but we you, you see it in a, a number of mm-hmm. activities yeah. it, that you know your head is the heaviest thing in the room or it's the thing that catches the most wind if you know <laughs> you're riding <laughs> yeah, a bike for example <laughs> like that okay I, I how do i get out of my own way and more often than not it's you know there's a facilitator of some kind it's like oh i don't believe that maybe I can do this, but someone does. And then someone's like, I don't know, the, the text that I got on the morning of stage one of this race that I just did from Sean, the only one who texted me that morning, by the way, gentlemen. I was giving your space. I text you afterwards. I want to make sure you were alive. Actually, no, it was, it was actually good. Joe's, Joe's <laughs> was like, good luck, don't suck. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that's super helpful. But Sean just said, hey, Believe in yourself as much as you've believed in me, and you will destroy. I'm like, oh, that's apparently the problem, is belief in self. Which, no matter the size of our egos, I think the tendency to not believe in ourselves or not believe ourselves capable is far greater than whatever we posture. I mean, there's always that question. And it came up with a, in a conversation with Rebecca about like the language we use with ourselves is horrible shit we would never say to another person unless we were really really trying to hurt them and they had and and that was just in response to them hurting us or you know however that works but the stuff that we say to ourselves it's like you can never get you can't get past that kind of negative self-talk on your own and that to me is one of the you know that's the most important reason to change the language but the second most important reason to change the language is so that we could you know drag other people along in that change just chuffed i got positivity out of you as well (laughs) all right (laughs) thank you time this one should we go yeah great i i uh double double edged sword question for all three you guys starting with mark um storied careers all of you guys you've met interesting folks traveled all this stuff right which is awesome um first question looking back in your careers what do you regret not doing or what would you have done differently right second question maybe more important um considering if there's one person on this earth who you haven't met or you'd want to, you know, have like a coffee with a lunch, who would it be? Fictional or, you know, a, a, a living, breathing human? Okay, I'll answer the second question first. Yeah. Jack London. Oh. Hemingway, very close second. But uh, the first thing, what do I regret? <laughs> What do I regret not doing, or what do I regret doing? To hang yourself. I got a list that I keep in this notebook right here. Are you okay if I... Uh... <laughs> so when I first thought of having a podcast... You're number one. And I'm not, you're not getting that photo out of me. 
Yeah, yeah, Joe's got plenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Multiple poses. Left hand, like non-dominant hand. I can, I can over the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the title that I had for my podcast was What I Missed by Being an Asshole. Which was going to go back and have conversations with people that I like neglected or outright insulted or fucked up. Just like, like sit down with a bottle of whiskey, start making some phone calls. That sounds a lot like drunk history. I, there could be an episode. Like, I mean, I mean it's, but, and, and, but the thing is, like, I don't regret that behavior because it led to a lot of other things. And yeah, I missed a bunch of stuff. I hurt a number of people. I don't apologize to all of them because some of them deserved it. Others didn't. They were just, you know, accidental damage, you know, done by my own ambition. Uh, you know, the, the regret thing is it's, it's rarely for what I have done because I can, you know, live with much of that. Uh, however, there's always the what I didn't do what I was not brave enough to do, what I wrote off as being irrelevant because that was the language that I had to use to not do it. Like the stuff, the, the, the failings, but I'm not going to like say the one thing because I don't know what, in a hierarchy of, uh, regret, a lower hierarchy. I don't know how you would actually, <laughs> um, there, there's not like the, the one thing, oh man, I wish I had done that because part of the, um, part of the, the, the motivation or the philosophy or whatever through, throughout had been like, do it now because you're not going to live forever. And you have to, and you know, ran in, there was a guy that when I started shooting competitively had the best attitude about stuff like just like unknown things and this is going to be tough and there's a lot of people standing around and that guy had a reputation to live up to and his attitude was always, well, let's try it. Sometimes followed with what's the worst that can happen, which is never a good thing to ask, but to say, let's try it. And that's the, the thing I, which I wish I had developed that a little bit sooner because even though I had a fairly open mind with what was possible, you know, certainly in my climbing career, I didn't, it was not nearly as open as some others who looked at stuff and went, oh yeah. That's within the realm of human possibility. And I look at them and be like, no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. For me. I think um, I would combine, well, regrets for sure. I would have eaten way more of that croissant French toast down in the Bahamas, for sure. That was a total mistake. Other than that, I, I think um, I combine them because um, kind of similarly, I've thought a lot about regretful stuff and it's not that I haven't done anything that's regretful. It's that if I can change it, I'll try to change it. In which case I'm in a position um, where I've changed all the things that I think I need to change. And if there was anything else that was looming and regretful, I would go try to change it. To second part that person that you would talk to, probably future or past self so that you don't have any other regrets. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was, that's heavy. 
<laughs> well, I'm on the time travel thing that Jeremy brought. Up. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, I think my biggest regret would be um, my, I don't know the best way to put this, but my lack of caring for a long time for learning. Like I was very set in my ways, like especially as a coach, like this is how you do things. This is how I was taught and kind of turned off like the go read a book, go listen to somebody talk, that kind of stuff. And I think in the last year or two, I've kind of evolved a great deal as a coach, honestly, from picking up books that probably don't pertain to coaching at all from like a number standpoint. Um, and then as far as people to meet, I'd say as a point in time, I think it'd be rad to go back to like when they were framing the constitution and kind of see what that whole thing was about. Cause I think we're a little far past that at this point in the country. I think we all agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I think on that note, I think we should close this out. Thank you guys. Really? Thank you. Yeah. Oh. We're, we're at the time. We'd we actually be ending late, on time. <laughs> Do you want to start late and end on time? Yeah. Unless somebody else has another question. I just thought that was a good note to end on. Fuck. Don't be shy. I got a question. Uh -oh. Sure. Uh, you guys brought up tribe. You need a tribe to build yourself up. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really like that word because tribe is a little bit too warlike, which is what you've alluded to earlier. I mean, I'm Canadian, so I just watch what's going on. And like, holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just because north of the border, you don't get a free pass. Well, so we, suck, like, we get sucked into it, right? Like, yeah. We're the Gauls of Rome time. But um, <laughs> I like the word polis because polis is like you come to a space where we all agree we're equal. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are students. Who become all teachers. All of us should be students. Who become, <laughs> yeah, who walk away from it. It's just that it's a highfalutin term, right? Yeah, and, I would agree. And, and you know, so so part of the reason that, and, and I'm not defending the use of tribe because I'm not totally convinced about that either. Right. Um, that that it's the accurate thing, but it's beats the shit out of family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or community, mm -hmm. like because, yeah, and especially when it's community, like oh, you're part of the fitness community. You're into fitness. I'm like, uh, wow, that's a pretty big that sucks community yeah yeah i mean it's a so it, it uh, um and then if you know obviously and, and recently you know because of sebastian younger's book about tribe and that sort of thing and um i i think it became a bit more in the modern lexicon i don't know if it's or seth Godin. It could be whatever but then there's um and i can't remember the name exactly of the book uh that chris laid on us about clan and then, and so there, the there's plan. another thing which is sort of trying to describe the same, the, the, the same sort of social condition, right. if you will. So, so I think there's a number of things that work, that, that work, and but however we do, um, gravitate to the one that is in you know the more common use because then it's easier to sort of community I, I don't is that how you create i mean it might be it might be actually a lazy use i mean the lazy use of language is like everyone else is using this and so we can all agree on this definition and so this is what it means it's a group of 150 people or less um maybe they're the people that live in my you know my particular building that i live in or which is actually not the case i don't know very many of them but um it, it, but but it could be something 
you know, like that. And maybe it is lazy. I don't know. Michael. I, it, um, I don't like the word, first of all, but I'll go way negative on the part where I think you probably have a positive outlook on the world, how you described um, the polarity of like society. I don't think there's an actual fix to the problem that is people are looking for a community, a collective, a tribe, a gang, a clan. There is no fix to that because we're beyond that. Mm -hmm. Like we're beyond that part in like historical human species where there were small groups of us and we were dependent on a status structure where I backed up my family name and that and my fear in an overarching higher power made me do good things because I feared uh, repercussion from that. Um, we're now to a part where we rely on a large state to control the repercussion of things. So I believe in that. And now my deity became a nice one because the state's here. So, you know, God came from Old Testament and now he loves everything. And so. And he's jacked. And he's totally jacked. That These things are shifting. Um, but I also go to the point where um, I don't think we can. I'm not going to say survive it because that sounds like some like dooming apocalypse i think um i think we won't do very well psychologically without some kind of collective or tribe holding us and giving us meaning and purpose and namesake and all, all these things that are inherent in how our psychology works um, which is why guys go into the military and have very tight-knit groups it's why guys go into teams and cycling have very tight-knit groups it, it, um, that becomes their rites of passage now we have uh, is there 7 billion people? I don't even know. Too many. Too, well, <laughs> and we say too many, but what, is, what does that actually mean? We're I, like, I work in China. There's too many. Uh, sure, but no one wants many. to say the thing. No one wants to say like, um, What's, so, what is the net result of that? less Let's, people? And you're like, whoa, dude, whoa, whoa. Somebody just like set off a bomb it. in the building. And, <laughs> you know, they're talking about <laughs> terrible things now. And that, that's not necessarily what we're talking about when we say we need less people. We need to think about less people and that that is a very unpopular thing because we're we're supposed to be globalists we're supposed and it's not that i don't agree that's the way society is going i have nothing against it it's just our psychology is left behind our sense of purpose is left behind our all, all these things that we see going haywire we're like man people are fat they're shooting schools are doing this uh, they don't do that in tight-knit groups where you're responsible for people around you right. therefore we are going to see the dismay of what we consider civilized society because we are too far reaching, we're too broad. We can't encompass empathy for 7 billion people. It's impossible. And, and that's been shown. Like that's why when you're asked to give to charity, they show you one person in one situation. They don't show you, Hey, that ten, this is an entire nation. Yeah, 10 billion people are dead because of this thing. And you're like, weird. And then you go about your day because our brain doesn't react to numbers. We can't comprehend 7 billion people. If we, I think the statistic is that if you tried to write out a first and last name of 10 million people, it would take two lifetimes. Take about 160 years to write them out. If you take like the average writing time is like 10 seconds or something. Maybe I slaughtered that thing. But the point is you wouldn't even come to 1% of the population. Like not even close. Therefore, when we're trying to consider the whole population, like we want the best for the world. Uh, I don't know that that's useful. If we try to make the best for our community and exclude others, that has problems too. So I agree that trying to take words that apply to historical human 
nature isn't useful for moving forward. Um, when this, when the social structure was incredibly different, right? It's yeah. just it, it, it's a lazy use of the term because then then it becomes almost like a gelatinous use of it. It's just like blurry, and I can't really tangibly grab anything with it. I'm just like, yeah, tribe makes me feel happy because I'm it's belong. postmodern. Yeah, yeah, right. And and it it's un, unuseful for that point. Um, but I wish that that conversation of like, hey, look how people thrived in tribes also followed with a conversation that was like why did they thrive and sebastian younger hit on this a bunch of other people hit on this they try to take it and add it into corporate america which is fucking bullshit but the point being is like there's all these uh headlines going off about you know human psychology failing and all this violence happening and you know the split of political power and all these people using confirmation bias and finding each other and well, yeah, we're trying to go back to what we were with also the high, like the, the view of like, oh, we want globalization because I love cheap chopsticks or whatever the fucking thing is. Um, so I wish that conversation was more broad and that we talked about population in a realistic manner, as in don't fucking have kids anymore. There's no need for children. There's, you know, one per person is plenty. I, I, that. Why is it? I'm like, just letting it roll. I mean, it, you know, well, well, I can't say then. anything because my ancestry, so I have to not say things like that. But uh, uh, you know, but ancestry I, I, as in, I do believe, I do believe, like, I do believe the problem with the problem with adopting old terms is that they're not understood, and then people hang on to them, mm -hmm. and then they abuse the terms. Yes. So if there's an education about the terms, and the term is actually pretty useful, like if you want to use mm -hmm. tribe, it's just define the term. So, what does it mean now? Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to what it meant in the era that it Well, now came I from, think like say. technically if you go in and look at the definition of tribe in like Wikipedia or something really like academic, it will literally just show a CrossFit gym. <laughs> <laughs> See, wouldn't you call this weekend like a symposium? I I, I for sure wouldn't call it a seminar. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll, we will get into that once we start the quote unquote seminar, um, because I think that's a bad term. Yeah. I've just been, whenever I've been writing it in the email, it's like seminar forward slash event. Yeah. Cause I didn't have, it's like, I don't know what it is. And but. I like the word event because it really describes, um, what time it, cause time is not a thing in itself. Time is basically from event to event, right? It, it, it's things that happen, not just an actual definable thing. So I like the word event, but it sounds like we're going to have like jazz dancers. <laughs> but it's it like, uh, we can't use that term in the I, way we like I made like some it. phone calls. Okay. Yeah. It's an event. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I like, uh, I mean, I really like that. I mean, he mentioned the language problem that that seems to be a similar conversation as a language problem. I wish, which is a lot of what's going to get covered in t tomorrow about yeah. within the context of fitness and how we describe certain things and that's quite and literally how the first chapter opens up is talking about common language and how so many mistakes are made because of that and so it's you guys are hitting dead on it it's just how do we summarize our i mean because you know we gotta if we're going to agree on strength mm -hmm. you know i'm guessing that uh joe holmes has a little bit different different definition of strength right from me Keegan. oh the strong guy he's right I on board to, I Pardon? mean, because I would say he has a strong tan. He's got a 
strong sense of sarcasm. He's certainly got some fucking strong tan lines. Those, <laughs> but I would, you know, probably think differently. If he, I don't know, say he had a bicep curl off with Keegan in the corner that just happened <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> One would definitely appear stronger than the other. Say, just so you guys moment. are clear, Keegan tapped out first. Yeah, but Keegan did like three times as much weight than Joe. Well, as you like should. Three times as much weight as Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, two times as much would have been appropriate because what you're in the 260s now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, right. Joe's generally in the 130s, oh. so you should do twice as much. You're as like him. half of me. Just just carrying a little extra right now, although it may not look like it. Spelt. He does have some body dysmorphia, but you know whatever. Who doesn't? Don't we all? <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go get my toothbrush now. <laughs> like, put it in my non-dominant hand yeah. and try and brush my teeth so I we can have some medical uh, people, they probably actually have a tongue depressor somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any other uh, questions? And uh, toothbrushes and tongue depressors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're going to end uh, our diet discussion with uh, toothbrushes and tongue depressors. Um, and actually, we're going to go upstairs and probably eat some yeah. snacks. Yeah, I hope because I'm getting awesome. pretty hungry. Oh, right, and, Aaron, and Aaron's <laughs> off to go prepare things. All right, we need one more question so she has time. Oh, oh man, uh, this it Maybe. just happens naturally. Just roll the windows down. And Ross, did you want to step up to the microphone and like contribute to this whole thing? Because I I realized that I. I did sort of write you out of this whole equation based on like a technical problem. <laughs> <laughs> None of us have accents. So that sarcasm is not nearly as forgivable. It's not as potent. <laughs> and you could say Chicago, you know, there's, there is a bit of an accent that comes with, uh, Oh, I with thought Michael. you meant the Canadian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So are you gonna teach that to someone else and then they grow it out to see that how the comeback happens? I don't think you can teach that to anybody else. No, this is this is the kind of thing you just have to do it. You just have to embrace it, you just have to decide like first of all, it's uncomfortable. It, it allows you to grow literally and figuratively and philosophically. It puts you into new crowds. So therefore, <laughs> it basically is what we've been talking about the whole time. It is the hard thing to do. I'm trying to, enter, I'm trying to get in with this particular tribe, actually. <laughs> and there's a, there's a look and a certain kind of behavior and some actual material possessions that are required. And He's playing hockey. Yeah. I'm <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I am going to drive... I'm gonna drive an e-bike. It's not an e-bike because that's not even a thing. It's not a. It's it's not a Corvette, but it is a convertible. It shall be red. It shall be a Miata. <laughs> because I think nothing goes better than like flying the ponytail. Actually, the um the guy who plays bass and I'm gonna forget forget his name, even though Randy told me. Um, the guy who plays bass for the Lamb of God has this incredible look. His his, his, he looks like Gandalf playing a bass. It is fucking <laughs> awesome. And when we were at the, at the show and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's, I, I can't do the facial hair, but. I found what I want to be when yeah, I grow up. Actually, and, and, and as someone commented, or maybe I made the comment, he just thought the flow out of the back of the helmet 
you know, looked pretty good. He said, it's just like a spoiler on a WRX. <laughs> and that's all, that's all I'm working towards right now. Is just, oh, you mean irritating and unuseful? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gets kind of itchy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what happened. It's just like I was just tired of like the number two clippers and going and having a conversation with a barber all the time. And, uh, Samesies. You know, Pardon? Samesies. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that uncomfortable period where you can't tie it up. You know, you kind of feel like you need to wear a hat, whatever. <laughs> I just figured I'd have it. I still have it. So fucking grow it. Jesus. <laughs> I can, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be you, Keegan, but older. Yeah. And I'll be you, but younger <laughs> and stronger. <laughs> Bigger? <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> yeah. It'll work for the Rick and Morty thing. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Well, so, that was my next thing is like we're getting close to Halloween, so he's Rick. And Keegan could be one of those monsters on one of those planets that they go to. <laughs> like, you know. Thanks. I, I would take that as an insult. <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> He'll apologize later. Yeah. Rick and Morty is my spirit animal together. Uh, the e-bike is my spirit animal and my nemesis at the same time. Ooh. Nice. A couple. <laughs> yeah, Halloween. There may be a Rick and Morty situation that's not clear yet. I've already ordered Actually, a lab if coat. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna get frustrated. Probably like October 29th. And shave your head. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I believe that's all the questions. We have some meet and greet stuff, so we can break off and. Meet each, uh, each one of you kind of individually, have some conversations, have some drinks, eat some food. Thanks for coming to this thing. It was a trial. It was kind of an experiment to see how it might go if we invite people in to kind of push buttons. Um, so thank you for being part of the first one and also traveling out um, for the symposium. <laughs> um, anybody that showed up late, if you're doing the Red Bull 400 tomorrow, we're meeting here at 7.30. Is that what we decided? Don't look at me because yeah. <laughs> I here. successfully evaded that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And yeah, that, that's, that, I'll say thank you. Oh, also, yeah, yeah. Again, yet again. You know, the only ungrateful say, one here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I regret being ungrateful, but, you know, just <laughs> part of it. And Joe, you're still number one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>